Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So we've got a really exciting show today. You know, a lot of us are thinking about the way that our lives have changed since the the pandemic. Our work has changed. And for many of us, that means we get to work from home. And that makes a lot that makes a lot of people happy. Not everybody, but a lot. So today we've got Heather Fowler with us. And she founded Mary Jane's People in 2021 after seeing the need for human resources in the growing cannabis industry. With more than 20 years of working for large corporations and a little bit of burnout from a global pandemic, Heather knew something different about work needed to be done. A self-described HR nerd known for her passion for serving others, it was a natural progression that Heather focused on making work better through people teams and community. Heather, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much, Lee, for having me. Well, you know, it's I think it's such a, an interesting thing to talk about because in the last few months, you know, we've talked, we've heard about the great resignation, how everybody is just walking away from their job. And then we're, we've heard about how COVID has changed the way Americans work. And if you look back, Really, I mean, over the last 20 years, technology has changed the way that Americans work dramatically. It, it really, really has, you know, and and you say that I got my start during the tech boom, right? And so I've worked through that dot-com bust and 9-11 and, and the 2008 financial crisis, right, you know, and, and on and on. And, and um, yeah, 2020 just really changed a lot for us. Well, I mean, it's changed a lot for workers, but it's also changed a lot for employers, too. I mean, I think that people are, employers are stopping to think about what do I need to do to to keep my people? What do I need to do to make them feel comfortable coming to work? So many people are afraid to go to work. They're afraid they'll get, they'll get infected. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what, let's, I know you've worked with a couple of companies, so let's let's use one of those as kind of a, stace, a case study. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, it's interesting. Um, one of my clients, they were on the road uh, prior to the pandemic, and um, so they were a distributing company, so making sales out on the road, and they really had to pivot in a in a different way because it brought folks back into the office. And so they had to, they had a different set of um, opportunities to work within, right? Because where the, their employees had felt um, a lot of autonomy and flexibility uh, by being out on the road, um, having to pivot into coming into the office um, really meant we needed to redesign the way that they did work. And so I've been working with them um, over this last year and re completely reorganizing um, how the work is done. And I really, and I'm taking it from approach of focusing on people and then giving them a learning environment and then connecting them to the community. And I, I, I've seen results by taking this approach 
Um, it, it's create an engaged workforce in a different way than what I had seen in the past. So tell me more, you know, it, it's interesting because that's kind of, you're right, that's kind of a flip of a problem mm-hmm. where these people have been so used to just being, doing their own thing and, and developing their own kind of ideas on how things should be done. And then when you have to come together as a culture, wow, you know, I've got to stop and think about what Joe thinks about this or why does this offend Mary? Or, I mean, it's just a whole new world. What was the biggest challenge? That's right. You know, really the biggest challenge. um, Well, so let me say this, the team was small and it had a couple of potential failure points. And they didn't have any structure to work with, but they had a lot of heart and they really, really believed in their mission and their vision. And they were really excited to get help, like building up their people team, building up the organization. Um, The biggest challenge was getting, even though leadership was 100% on board, you know, they invited us to come in to help redesign. Uh, The biggest challenge was walking leadership through the process and helping them trust the process and sort of let go of um, any sort of controls that had to be put in place in response to that pivot coming into the organization, if that makes sense. So what we did, um, we, like I said, they had a really strong vision and mission and we brought them back together with a building exercise to identify their values that really described their current culture that they wanted to maintain. And then we were able to communicate how performance would be managed by developing an internal training program. So everyone had that structure to work within. Um, We found that by providing them a little bit more order, a little bit more structure, allowed them to, to regain that freedom and that flexibility that they had had before. Well, you know, that's so interesting. What did, how, how did people react to it? Were they welcoming it? Were they, did they kind of get out of joining? They about it? loved it. They, they loved it. They were hungry for it, actually. Um, they were hungry for it because they, it's interesting. So I work under uh, utilizing a theory called self-determination theory, and it's on three principles of autonomy, competency, and relatedness. And autonomy is really about people like to have choices. We like to know what structure we're working within, but then we want to be able to let go and work within that structure. And they were somehow bringing them into the back into the shop they didn't have that structure and so it, it they needed it and so when they they came when we came in and um trained them on what the expectations were going to be going forward aligned with their values that they helped create right that they chose um they knew what their expectations were then we redesigned their jobs we um, rebuilt the workday that really better aligned with um, how it was on the road, right? Um, these folks were used to getting up, you know, and starting their day when it worked for them and, and bringing them into the office where we need 
we needed to do sales in the office now, as opposed to out on the road. It just really changed a lot of things and, you know, like scheduling, right? Simple things, you know, we didn't used to have to worry about scheduling and now we did. And then we were having to performance manage people because they weren't getting into work on time, right? And so a lot of controls were put into place. So we took those controls away and we redesigned the work day. We brought it back to the folks and asked them kind of what would work best for them. The organization is small enough that we were able to do this. Um, The shop opens later. It stays open later. But it really um, was, again, able to give folks that structure that they wanted, that they clearly needed, but it gave them the flexibility to work with them and to achieve what they needed to achieve. Well, you know, and I think your, you know, flexibility is what it's all about for all of us. And if, if we have the ability to take care of what we need to take care of on a personal level, then I am so much more motivated to take care of my business. Absolutely. Look, when our when our basic needs are met, you know, uh, safety and security, right? We're we're being paid what we need to be paid. Our, our benefits are being taken care of, then we can, when the base needs are met, then we can really focus on our psychological needs. And a lot of that is uh, having that volition, you know, choice. We love choice and that's where we thrive. Uh, we, we don't want to be controlled um, and we want to learn and we want to do that within community, right, within connection. And that is part of the value in um, having folks working in a collaborative environment, whether that's in the office or virtually. But again, it's making sure that the structure is, is there so that folks know what they're working within and have that freedom um, to, because it's life balance now, right? It's not work life. It's, it's life balance now. And, um, and it's for employers, right, to be able to step back, um, have some confidence and step back and, and let the people they hired do the job that they hired them to do um, with a focus on results. Well, do you see any of those people want, wanting to go back to their old, I mean, things, things eventually will, will stabilize and, yeah. you know, we'll figure out a, a new normal. Um, and that's one of the problems that, that I'm experiencing with my clients is they miss their normal, but mm-hmm. they're having a hard time now even defining what normal is. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, they say, oh, I just want things to go back to normal. And then I'm like, well, what does that mean? And well, I don't know. <laughs> so, have you? Do you think any of the people in that organization will want to go back to the old way as as people get healthier? And because honestly, I think there's nothing like the direct contact, that eyeball to eyeball. It, mm-hmm. I just think it's so powerful. It is so important. Um, it is so important. I. People want options. That's what people want a choice, right? So life is going on. Um, business goes on. Uh, but we know that about 85% of employees out there don't really want to go back to how things were, right? And 87% of leaders do 
right? They do want to get people back into the office on, on a hybrid basis, right? And so I think kind of hybrid is the key. Um, people want to be in the office when it makes sense, right? You know, maybe it's at a strategic level, right, for planning or where you need that team meeting and you do need that face-to-face time. But on the other hand, they want that flexibility to be able to work from home, close the door when they have to focus on their sort of the skill side of their role. Um, and then there are there are quite a few people who really just, they do love being in the office. It creates a boundary for them, right? That maybe working at home, they didn't have that boundary. Um, for me, for example, I work from home. I make sure my office door is closed. So I close that boundary and it opens when my office hours are open. So some I know some people love having the office for that reason. They know at five o'clock when they leave, they're done for the day, right? And so um, that's great. That's that's wonderful. And collaboration is is really key to innovation um, and and how we continue to learn and also community. So I don't think that we can go back to having work feel. <laughs> the way that it used to, to be, you know, and I think we're just, I think we're just past that point. Um, well, I, I'm going to challenge you on that all, because, for because some, some work cannot be done from home. You're right. I mean, for some, some work can't be, if you look at, if you look at Correct. the growth, I saw a survey in the, the future of the jobs, the, mm-hmm. by, by 2030, you know, the United States is going to increase the need for health aids, you know, care workers, health professionals. Yes. And those are jobs that necessarily may or may not be able to be done from home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what I say to that for, there's two parts that I help. I help the organization change and provide a learning structure, a supportive environment, a community building environment. But on the other hand, not organizations can do that, right? Not all organizations can pivot that way. Maybe they don't want to. That doesn't make sense for them. That's not what follows their business model. But you as an employee, and this is what I would advocate, you as an employee, um, you can take your own well-being into your work day. Right. So, again, working under this this theory, the self-determination theory where, you know, I want to have choices in what I do and I want to continue to learn. And I also want some community. What can you do? So I would I we built in wellness breaks um, at different clients. Uh, we offer 15-minute little yoga flows. We offer um, in our – we encourage everybody to take those 15-minute uh, breaks, um, to use that time for quiet, um, to recharge and re-energize yourself. Um, because if you are if you have to be in the work environment – and, look, I'm thinking of, like, maybe our, our warehouse workers, right, or our retail workers, you know, where – they don't have a lot of time and they've got a, a busy, stressful job, but they still need a little bit of time to take for themselves. So that's why I would pivot. And I've, I've you know, I've got a lot of tools and tips to help people um, 
be able to create that environment for themselves, even if they're not working within a work structure that allows that to happen. Again, to your point, right? You know, that, that's not realistic um, for, for the majority of, of, of employees in, in America or even across the, uh, across the world. Well, you know, it's interesting to me because what I've seen in my practice is parents that are teleworking. They're having a harder time mm-hmm. getting their work done without interruptions. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, the ones that have kids, the younger kids. Um, and part of that may be, you know, it's what's going on in their head that they have a hard time shutting that office door. And I could, I could understand that, you know, if you've got somebody being homeschooled in one room and you've got one parent working in another room and another parent working in another room. And it, it, you, that's a lot going on. And if you live in some place like San Francisco, you know, you've got a teeny space to make this happen. So, I mean, I think that the environment that you have to work within makes a big difference. And the other group that I've seen, it's the younger people yeah. that tell me that they're having a really hard time staying motivated. Yes, yes. What yes. advice do you have for them? Yes, yes. You know, as a working parent who had two kiddos at home, it was not sustainable. It just wasn't sustainable. So um, I, I hear that loud and clear. And we, our family has fortunately um, moved, transitioned uh, to you know, something that, that does work for us right now. For young folks, yeah, young folks are struggling. And it, with one of my client groups, that was one of the things that we, um, we implemented. The team is under 25. The entire team is under 25. Wow. A lot of the team, mm-hmm, a lot of the team were fresh out of high school. And they didn't have, it, it was, I could tell they didn't have the, the skill set, the life skills that they needed to even get them to work, right? And so we offered them some life skills courses. We offered them, um, we worked with them to kind of come up with a plan, um, really like on time management, you know, and just kind of things that they didn't learn at home and that they didn't learn at school either, for, for whatever reason. Um, when we offered that to them, though, it, it re-engaged them. Um, that, that offering, that they felt this kindness where they felt immediately re-engaged with their community. Um, they saw it as an opportunity to, um, you know, grow. And, and to learn. And they also appreciated that they were given a choice, you know, they were given an option um, of how to take their life uh, back into their, their control, you know, after a couple of years of things being completely turned upside down, you know, I mean, they graduated high school <laughs> because school passed them. Right. And so they just were not prepared. And I found some additional resources for them to help them as well. And really all we could do was provide an ear 
and a supportive environment and, and give them financial resources as well to help them with these life skills courses. We made it part of continuing education. We made it part of the learning and development program. And we just really, really customized it to what this particular group of folks needed. Um, That's, you know, that is so amazing to me that it sounds like that you really did stop and number one, you knew what your population was and you had a good understanding of what their needs were. And that's what I, my, in my previous life, I used to be in HR. And that was one of the things that I, you know, I always felt like so many times we don't really know what people need and gosh, all we got to do is go out there and ask them. But if you go out there and you ask them, then, you you know, you're going to be expected to do something about it. Um, exactly. Which, exactly. Yeah. But, I, but that's, know, that's part of what I propose. That's part of what I propose with another um, client that I have. I'm, I've been wearing a new hat, which is looking at things very much so from the employee perspective, to your point, asking them what they want. I mean, if you just ask people what they want, you'll get a lot of information, but then you have to be prepared <laughs> to deliver upon that. Um, or, the, or say no, and sometimes saying say no, no it can or be really no. hard. Right. And saying no is hard, and there needs to be, you know, hopefully there's some justification as to why not, right, um, as to why it's a no now. And um and there, there's a lot of, you know, and no is hard. No is hard for people to hear. But I, we know that communication, we know that if people feel like they've been heard um, and acknowledged and that that has been taken into consideration, whether it can be implemented or not, I think goes a really, really long way as well, you know. Oh, I, um, I agree. I mean, even, yeah. you know, going back to, I'm in the middle of a PhD program right now. Well, getting close to ending, but you doing some, uh, for my dissertation, you know, have to do an interview guide on how I'm going to interview people in the study. And I find myself just going back to my basic counseling skills from my last mm-hmm. grad program. Mm-hmm. Listen and reflect and let people know that, that you've heard them and that you appreciate them being willing to share information with you. And I thought, you know, you're, I'm going back to basics, but sometimes basics doesn't get any better than that. It, it, it's really not that complicated. It really isn't. We don't mean to overcomplicate things. We, we don't. But it really, is, it really is as simple as just listening, you know, and um, taking in what folks are saying and reflecting upon them. And hopefully if you can coach them to where they need to be, or teachable feedback, right? Um, a lot of this is part of that community building, right? And so much of that is having, again, a, a communication structure in place, right? Where teachable feedback is ongoing, right? Where coaching is ongoing, you know, where mentoring is mentoring each other is happening in real life. And it's not it's informal, you know, it's it's not necessarily a formal program, although formal programs are definitely encouraged as well. Um, and that also that communication, it it creates the cross 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 team, 
collaboration as well, which is so incredibly important, you know, and that's how we get our, the diversity that we need, the diversity and in, in sharing of different ideas and um, inclusivity of as much as we can of those, those differing ideas. Well, how, how much of the online platform have you utilized in your programs? Uh, how, uh, well, like, I, is, the online tools, I mean, you can do some great virtual... Everything is automated. Yeah. I have just about automated everything. I, um, I, I've been working in remote or hybrid settings for about 10 years now with in global settings. Um, and so just for ease, I, I've, everything is automated, everything is online, um, communication tools that are easily accessible for um, employees to access or managers to access, different toolkits. Um, I have several training programs, you know, that are delivered via video um, because that's just, it's a lot easier now. I have a global audience now, right, or, or a national audience now. Um, so, having that accessibility has been wonderful. Look, Google, Google in general, Google Drive, and then courses that Google has available, free courses that Google has available for people to, for the personal development, whether on the business side um, or so many different paths for, for people to follow. I highly encourage um, people to take advantage of that. Um, and then, like I mentioned, as far as I use Google Drive right now for a lot of things because they just made it so simple. And, um, and it also, because they've made it so simple for people who maybe don't have that tool or skill set yet, um, yeah. I always drive people <laughs> to go to Google because they have just set it up. Um, well, I got to tell you. Google Scholar is where I go when I'm looking for research. We've just got a couple minutes left before we go to okay. break. And, but, you know, I think that you make the point that there is so much out there that we can tap into. And I know during the pandemic, a lot of the museums set up virtual tours. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I never thought, you know, I thought, oh, I'm not the type of girl that wants to go to a museum through a virtual tour, but I, when it was the best offer I got, I took it and I learned how much I really did enjoy it. I've learned that I can do counseling in Zoom. When I when I first started, I was like, you know, because I really am a, a eyeball to eyeball person. I like mm -hmm. to watch the body language and, and I like to just feel the energy and, you know, so I thought I'm going to have a hard time doing this, but once I started doing it, I realized, you know what, I can do this. And if it's easier for people, then they'll, they're more welcome to do it. Um, you know, if, if it's so hard, if, oh, that means I have to leave my house at eight o'clock in the morning because the traffic's so bad to be able to get there to blah, 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 blah. They don't want to do it. So I think that the things that you're doing with people in the workforce to make their job easier well, I'm sure, as you know, will go a long way. And I think, you know, when we come back from break, I'd like to learn more about different things that employers need to think about in keeping people happy.
We'll be back after these messages. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. official 4th of July party was held at the White House in 1801. But did you know that countries other than the U.S. celebrate American Independence Day or July 4th? Denmark, Italy, Portugal, and England all have 4th of July parties. In fact, the British celebrate their independence with bungers and fizz gigs, otherwise known as firecrackers, just like in America. Squib is slang for an electric match used in pyrotechnics. Our dog celebrates July 4th every year the same way, by cowering under the bed. Many European celebrations take place, of course, at American military bases. I'd like to send a special thanks to all our armed forces stationed around the world for everything you do to provide freedom and independence to America. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. Well, we're back, and right before we went to break, we were talking about all the wonderful opportunities that the new online platforms have to offer us, and what you can do virtual that you maybe never thought that you could do before. There's so much that we could say about that. I mean, Heather, what do you think about all that? Well, I have really, really taken advantage of it. Um, being able to use a virtual platform has opened up the talent pool. For me, I'm not just limited to my state or one location. I can look everywhere. And I just had a really great time building um, what I call my coffee chat. And it's just a virtual interview that I do with um, a lot of people that I just cold call and invite um, who are excited and interested in the different clients that I'm working with. And it's our coffee chat is we have a cup of coffee and, you know, we're either at our favorite coffee shop or we're favorite coffee shop, which is home. And it's just, you know, it's trying to build that personal connection that we would have in a face-to-face interview, um, an in-person interview, and, and still trying to build that same warmth and rapport I mean I'm I'm incredibly pleased because it is effective and I've made some some wonderful wonderful hires from that and you know and then just going from there um, being able to automate the entire onboarding process and um, because we do have so many tools available to us you know I can I can 
send a happy birthday package, you know, to an employee, or we can have lunch meetings and have Uber Eats, you know, delivered to all of our houses. I mean, the, just <laughs> the options are, 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 are seemingly endless right now. Right. And so, um, which is, which is just a lot of fun and it's allowed me to meet, um, you know, a lot of people that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet. It's given them opportunities, job opportunities to travel the world that they that they never would have had before. Um, again, really, because we have this virtual platform much more accessible to us. Well, I think that's one thing that everybody just coming out, get, getting through the pandemic. I think that we've all appreciated life more and I know the clients that I talk with and myself included I want to enjoy I want to just take advantage of everything that I can and I hope that I, I felt that way before the pandemic but I do know that I feel that way a lot more strongly now you know I really do I I know wholeheartedly for me as well I what I'm doing now evolved out of the pandemic, right? I mean, there, there's that post-traumatic growth. And so I'm kind of thinking, I'm looking at it as that a little bit because, and I do, I do believe that the tools that I have um, to offer, it's this huge toolkit and techniques that are, it's nothing, you know, new or, or that we haven't done before, but it's putting it together and, being able to show how it can be done by and also creating a really supportive, nurturing environment. Because when you have that, you have engaged employees, you have content employees, which impacts your productivity, which impacts your bottom line. Isn't that the truth? I mean, <laughs> sometimes, you know, just when you talked about cold calling um, people for, you know, discuss <laughs> recruits. I thought, mm -hmm. oh, that would be so wonderful. Instead of you just email a resume in and then you wait and, and you don't know, well, did my resume get in? Well, has anybody looked at my resume or, it, you know, and the what ifs start. And once those what ifs start, then we're, we're convinced that it's, it's not going to be good. <laughs> so that personal touch is, I think, will, will go a long way. And that's something that, I know the recruiting world has changed dramatically. Uh, what technology has done for that, and and maybe I should say has done to that, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it has changed a lot. And that personal touch is just—I don't think you'll ever be able to to beat that. What other what other ideas have you kind of? Not that they they have to be new ideas, but sure. you know, if it's a new environment. It's a different idea. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Look, I start from very first making people number one, really. Um, that's providing clear structure and expectations. That's make sure you know what your people want and need by asking them. We talked about that, right? Highly communicated, highly communicative via feedback and coaching. It's having a servant leader mentality and management style, right? Where that uh, hierarchy pyramid is flipped. And instead of lead being at the top, the lead's at the bottom, right? And our, our entry-level employees are at the top, right? And servant leader 
we're serving the organization, you know, it's no longer about us. Um, transparency, you know, not everything is need to know, but um, people like having information and like, like, and that helps build trust. Um, having, doing your best to have a minimal control environment, right? Having structure and rules where they make sense, not having structure and rules just to have structure and rules. Um, being very mindful that a super rich compensation package and benefits package is not going to retain an employee if you have an unhealthy work environment. As a matter of fact, rewards shouldn't be used to control behavior because it will actually cause an undermining effect. It actually it takes away the desire to do it. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I think if you can, a lot of organizations can't, some organizations cannot, I would say focus on building a result-oriented work environment, right? So you're focused on the output. It allows the employee to structure their day and their tasks, and it lets them make their decisions and, and how they're going to get it done. And the focus is on the output. Um, and, you know, when it's possible, let people choose where they can work. Um, that's how you make people number one. Um, you build great teams. Um, create a place for people to learn from each other that encourages their personal development with like a leveling up mentality, right? Giving people something to work towards elevates them. Um, it's not like a performance goal, the business objective. It is their own personal development goal. I think having a progressive and forward-thinking environment lends to that, a learning environment where personal development is encouraged. Mentoring is, is key. We learn from each other, whether that's formal or informal. It can be peer-to-peer -peer or senior-to-junior, as well as a lot of feedback that's transparent, right? As Brene Brown says, uh, clear is kind, and that is 100% true. Um, also, having a career path and a matrix with succession planning so that employees know how they can develop and what's the next step and do I have a future here, you know, and it's on the organization to help identify those key players and build that next generation leadership. Definitely offering continuing education, um, maybe sabbaticals. Um, I worked in uh, in an old tech company, and, and they had sabbaticals for employees when they would hit like their five or, or five or ten years, and they'd go off for ninety days or six months and work on these incredible projects. And um, I just I love that idea. Um, I love that maybe, idea. That sounds right? like fun. I think um, celebrating all achievements, right, um, personal and professional, you know, birthdays are important. People like to be remembered for that, you know. Um, and we've also, the pandemic showed me for sure that not everybody has somebody at home, right? And so, or not everybody has a community even. And so work can be that community. And so um, celebrating those you know, work anniversaries, those birthdays, 
being in tune with everybody enough that you know what's going on personally. So if they have a personal project, you know, you support each other by showing up to the show if you can or watching it online or, or whatever that may be. Um, and then the final component, which is it's all connected, right, is, is that community part. And the community is internally and externally. Um, yeah. But we love being benevolent. <laughs> we love helping others. We love serving. Um, we love giving back. It, it helps us feel. It helps us feel connected. Um, so those are those are some <laughs> some 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 ideas uh, to give um, you know leaders and and managers a, a good idea of, of how they can you know, make things feel a little bit better, encourage um, people to come back in. Um. Well, and I think, you know, what I've seen is that that employers are starting to look at benefits different. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've heard the term personal identity benefits, you Mm -hmm. know, that's when people say, hey, working at my company makes me feel good about myself Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. or emotional benefits. You know, if if they come in and they say, I was challenged in a really good way. Um, I mean, we all got to have our functional benefits. That's our compensation. And we want to feel good about that. But as you pointed out, nobody wants to feel like they're being bribed to do something or nobody wants to feel like they're being paid off to do something. And where I see a real growth for companies is to look at the cultural identity benefits because we've got to come through some real big cultural shifts doesn't matter i mean how long have we been fighting racial discrimination and 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 if you think it's not still around you're wrong it is Mm -hmm. i mean and I, i it it Racial discrimination, the the female versus male. I thought maybe we had. Well, that's that a to lot. Death. That that's a lot. That's some why some folks want to stay at home, right? Yeah, you know they feel so. To your point, that cultural transformation is 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 key. You know, is 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 um imperative. I think, you know, and I'm working in building well-being, not just wellness, but like literally the state of health, (laughs) well-being into the cornerstone, the foundation of the organization. Then it's not an add-on, right? It's not an add-on. It's not a fringe. It is what we do. It is, we live it and we breathe it, you know? Um, And I I think we need that, you know? I think, I, I think, I think we need that. Um, and uh, it doesn't have to be all touchy and feely the way that it sounds. Um, but again, I think just keeping it really simple, you know, giving people structure and getting out, out of the way to let them do what they need to do, give them opportunities to learn and opportunities to connect. Well, and I think, you know, letting people know it's okay to be different because yeah. if you look at that, I mean, the to me, the biggest population at risk today, it was the LG, you know, I never mm-hmm. get those LGBT. acronyms right. Mm-hmm. B- mm-hmm. But now it's the trans. Yeah. That's a population that is so at risk. 
And you talk about cultural identity challenges. Absolutely. Because people, and I've worked with several, quite a few clients that have struggled with that. And, and you know, I don't know really know who I, I want to be, you know, just mm-hmm. because who I am physically mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I look at that and I could see that popula- population saying, yeah, it's just so much easier to stay home. Uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I offer services to that community. I offer free services, career development, career coaching, role playing. I have a, a clothes closet, a professional clothes closet um, to help that group. Um, because it's hard, you know, and being on the recruiting side and on the talent side, um, and roles that I know that I'm hiring for, I know that that wouldn't be a safe environment per se for them, not the work environment, but they were going out, you know, it was an external role. And so absolutely, um, being able to help vulnerable populations, um, figure out you know, what their story is, what their work story is, and yeah. what, and then helping them be able to build that um, while keeping them safe and secure, too. You know, that, that may not mean that they're in a, a, a front-facing, you know, role in an office somewhere, but they've got a really amazing job virtually or remote. Um, there are a lot of there are a lot of, um, again, you know, vulnerable um, populations to be mindful of. And, and We've had in in organ. I have worked in one organization where we it was incredibly diverse, and it was not intentional. It just we just hired that way, and um, we you know we had somebody who was exploring their identity, and we just let them know that we were here for them, and um, whatever they needed, we were there to support them. And, um, and, and that was really it. You know, they didn't really need more than that. They knew who to go to and they knew they were supported and and that they were welcomed for exactly who they were and and that they were valued, you know. But you know what, Um, you know what I call that? I call that social (laughs) identity benefits. It is okay to, you know, we're, however you identify, uh, we accept it. We surround it with care. We Love surround it. it with support. And, you know, that is something that I think there's a huge need as we go forward and that we all recognize and embrace that, you know, I've had people say, I don't want to go into work because my coworkers, they know I have depression and they mm-hmm. know I have a hard time, you know, mm-hmm. getting up. They know I'm fatigued and, and mm-hmm. I know, you know, they're sitting there thinking about me and I'm, you know, it's like, no, you don't know what they're sitting there thinking yeah. about you. You're playing it out in your head, but that's a role that employers have that to to reduce that stigma in the on the organizational level, and just Absolutely. you know, yes. yeah. I, first, of, I love social identity benefits. Um, I'm not sure that I have heard that term, and I love it, so I am going to be adding that. Um, y- yes, y- you know, mental health is. It's here, brain health is here, and it is in the workplace, and we have to be prepared to respond to it. I mean, well, and thank and, and, you. 
thank you for framing mental health up with brain health, because that's what, you know, mental health is about what's going on in your brain and your brain is an organ, just like your heart or your liver. And we don't have any problem. You know, if we get a report from our annual checkup that our cholesterol is high or in our, our, our blood works off, oh, we're, we're all over it. I'll change my diet. I'll, I'll exercise more. I'll, I'll take supplements. But if we feel like that, you know, we just can't get through the day, um, we're overwhelmed or we're fatigued, we just have the nastiest little conversation with ourselves. Come on, suck it up, buttercup. Mm-hmm. Power through mm-hmm. it, man. You can do mm-hmm. this. And that is the wrong dialogue. And that dialogue has got to shift. And it's got to, it's got to shift within ourselves for a starter, but then it's also got to shift in society and on a bigger level, on an organizational level and anything. And that's actually why I started and decided to get this PhD because I want to create social change around mental health. It is okay to not be okay. And I thought that I did that with, you know, well, the intent of my first, the book, turn your brain on to get your game on was to do that. But it's going to re- it's going to require more than just educating people. It's going to require really creating some momentum. And that momentum can come from an organizational level that you're working at. Absolutely. Look, I got I am a certified mental health first aider, which means <laughs> I now feel confident to support anybody who is having a challenge at work um, because I wanted to just be able to provide anybody that I'm with with some support or assurance you know I'm not here to diagnose anything but I can support and assure and hopefully guide you I can be that bridge maybe to get you to where you need to be the organizations I'm working with they want to be nurturing they get it um they understand the need um, of where we're all at and it is okay to not be okay. And I think creating that psychological safety net at work um, is, is going to be able to what propels us um, moving forward. I think. Well, and just, you know, if it can start at that top level, uh, mm-hmm. it can't start at the bottom level because it's not going to go anywhere. But if it can, if it can start at that top level and, you know, people can say, gee, you know, my director, I heard him get up and, or I heard her get up and say that they've actually experienced anxiety in their life. Um, You know, just being able to share little bits of information, then that opens the doors. Well, you know what? If they can admit to having those problems, I can admit to having those problems too. It really does. It really, really does. It gives people permission, right? And and it 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 lets them feel safe. And you know, their leaders modeling that behavior. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's what we're all we're basically we're all looking for acceptance, and as being accepted for who we are and what our core values are, and what lifestyle choices that we make. Um, and those, when you start talking lifestyle choices, that can get a little gnarly. Absolutely. <laughs> it, 
It really can. Um, it really can. And, and I've, I feel like I've been fairly fortunate to have navigated most things well. Right. I, I just think it, it just keeping us, keeping an awareness and a pulse and, um, approaching everybody, you know, as the individual they are, you know, and, um, trying to give the support that they need and as well as balancing, um, what that looks like for the organization too, which can be, you know, tough at times. Well, it, it can be. And I think that we all want to, we have to balance. There has to be a balance. It can't just be all about the employees and it can't just be all about the organization because without one, there's not the other. I mean, right. and it, you, right. they both have got to get consideration. And when we when we go to a global level and we think about the, the different cultures and how they interact and how they interact with each other, and it's it to me there's a it's going to be a great opportunity for everybody for all all organizations that want to to come out bigger and better and stronger. We've talked about a lot of things. We've got about three minutes left. And I just kind of want to ask you, for those people out there listening, give me three takeaways that you would like for them to to walk away with and and give them three things that kind of to really challenge them to think on. Uh, well, I'll say this. So I mentioned self-determination theory, right, which talks about autonomy, competency, and relatedness. And the beautiful thing about this theory is that it's a, it can apply to all of our relationships in our life. It's applicable across the world, across every single culture. The research shows it. It's applicable to how we parent our children to how we nurture our relationships, to how we teach our kids in the classroom, coach on the field. Don't control, learn, serve, and mentor. Um, people thrive when they know it's expected and have the freedom to execute with a focus on results. They thrive when they're in an environment that allows them to learn and grow, and they thrive when they can connect and serve others. And I think, you know, those are really good points to make because it's, it's, and it's, it's not about survival anymore. It's about thriving. We've been surviving for the last, you know, 18 months, two years, getting through the pandemic. And we all want more than that now. I don't want to just get through it. I want to, I want to thrive. And I want to, yeah. And so I think, you know, that's just, I love that word thrive because it has such a good feeling to it and gives off. It makes me want to go, oh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, for people out there, if they wanted to learn more about you or if they wanted to learn how to contact you, how would they do that? All right. I would love for people to come visit uh, me at maryjanespeople.com. And if anybody would like to connect, you can connect on my website uh, or you can send me an email at Hi, H-I, at MaryJanesPeople.com. Hi, 
at MaryJanesPeople.com. That's so, that's very clever. That's easy to remember. Heather, thank you so much for being with me today. I, I enjoy talking with you and I feel like you're doing such great things. And I hope all of our listeners see that work can get a whole lot better. You just got to go with the flow and, and show up. <laughs> thank you so much, Lee. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. Brain Performance Center.com.